Hello and welcome back to the Christian Reef podcast. This is the final installment in our Aliens and UFOs series that I've been doing with Mr. Josh Leonard. And uh, this particular show is all about alien sightings. But before we get into that, guys, you've got to help us out. For people still listening to the show, please drop us a review on Podchaser, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to the show, it really, really helps us out. Spread the word. Throw out your favorite clips online. Tell your friends. Tell everybody. You know, I know everyone is sick of hearing about podcasts, but we've got a good thing going here. I truly believe in it. And with your help, we can go, you know, sky's the limit, as they say. And massive thank you to everybody that's already uh, left reviews on, on, say, YouTube and Podchaser and, and Apple Podcasts and stuff. I have seen them. I've screenshotted some of them and thrown them and shared them online. I'm, I'm really happy that you guys are enjoying the show and it means the world to me. So thank you so much for continuing to listen. Hope you enjoy this show. Now, without further ado, welcoming the wonderful Josh Leonard of the Pursuit of Infinity podcast. How are you doing, Josh? Good, man. Thank you. Endless gratitude to you, Christian, for always hosting these amazing conversations that you include me in. I'm very appreciative. Oh, the honor's mine, my friend. Like, I'm I'm happy that you keep wanting to come back, to be honest. <laughs> like, you know, um, when I look back at the last three and a half years of of shows and, and, and return guests and stuff, there's people that you click with. There's people that you have your chemistry and stuff. And we definitely got that going on and, and I know I know you're always like very busy with your show as well. And guys, make sure you go and listen to the Pursuit of Infinity podcast. I know I'm plugging it because he's here, but he's my friend and I love what he does. I think the show is really well structured and put together. It's got much better branding than mine. <laughs> but he's he's smashing it and you give it a chance because I think you'll enjoy it too. And that's one of the reasons as well why I think this works because like we're on similar wavelengths. Like you take it in a, in a different direction, but there's like that similar thinking and that's what makes it work. I think ultimately this show was originally going to be part of the aliens and UFOs thing. I think we originally were just going to do one show and then it became much bigger than that. So I split it into two and then I was looking into this topic and it's like I said, in the first two installments, um, tip of the iceberg and even with this it's i, I know you're probably going to get sick of hearing me say that but honestly the further you go it's like a rabbit hole it's like if you sit and listen and, and talk about um conspiracy theories you know once you're caught in that i mean it's never ending it just the hole keeps going and going and going and going but at that in the same vein like it's still fascinating and i think i've learned a lot through doing this research stuff that i never had any idea about right and specifically with UFOs and UFO sightings, have you ever heard of the mystery of the Madonna and the UFO painting, Josh? I have, yes. Right. So for people who don't know about this, it's a 15th century painting that caused a bit of a stir. because, And I believe there's a lot of paintings since then over the years that, how can I put this? I'm going to swear got some weird shit in the background and like you know it's kind of a pastime of mine to to find like i love art anyway but i love finding like old art that has like really questionable stuff in it or just just odd stuff that seems out of place you know sometimes people use it for memes and stuff and it's quite hilarious like people back in the day i think just like now had a sense of humor and like to muck around stuff right but equally 
people also, you know, part the art was essentially the old fashioned version of modern photography in the sense that of, that's how you documented things, you know, and obviously we still have art, but art now is more of a, it's taken on more of like a kind of a poetic thing rather than being the primary source of documentation. If, if you see what I'm saying. Um, and with this particular painting, the best way I can describe it for, for our listeners is like just a standard kind of painting and then right in the sky to the far right corner is what looks by all intents and purposes like a UFO. And it caused a bit of a stir and I got this particular um, explanation finally of what this actually is. So this comes from walksinsideflorence.it, the mystery of the Madonna and the UFO. That's our source. Always include your sources, guys. And this is the quote. There's a simple enough explanation. In many other paintings of the nativity or adoration, we find a shepherd holding his head in a similar way as he gazes in wonder at a luminous cloud, often with an angel emerging from it. The angel may not be included here, but with some of the original gilding intact, Art historians believe that it's almost certainly the same bright cloud. Now, I'm caught in two minds with this because that seems like a very easy way to, to explain it off. And yeah, maybe it is right. But have you ever seen a cloud like that in your entire life? <laughs> no, sir. I mean, I've seen some scary rain clouds like thunder during thunderstorms before, but... That looks like a ship to me. I don't know. Yeah, man. And some of the, there's other paintings too, where there are clear saucer shaped objects with like beams coming out of them and stuff. It's so compelling. It's because as you said, these were, these weren't just pieces of art as we create art. These were like documentation. They were telling stories. Ancient civilizations often used art, whether it be sculpture through monoliths, paintings to, uh, to explain stories, to uh, convey messages, because it's universal, it transcends language. And I think it's worth mentioning too that there are uh, ancient, very ancient cave paintings, very rudimentary cave paintings, but clearly show um, like normal sized humans and then these large like beings with big gray looking alien heads, very, very strange stuff. And there's many, many stories um, that go back thousands of years about potential visits from godlike figures from the heavens. So many things like that. Very, very interesting stuff. One thing we touched on in, in the previous episodes was this idea of, of, you know, aliens monitoring us. And obviously we spoke about the idea of like their fascination seemingly with war and, and just in general um, observing us, you know, and, and the different reasons why they may or may not be observing us. But I want to kind of speak briefly to this idea that let's suppose that that was indeed aliens visiting us at various points over history. Why do you think they took such a I don't know about this keen interest in us in our more primitive stages? I mean, I still think we're very primitive now, but we're certainly a lot more advanced now compared to during caveman times. Why would they seemingly come down to Earth and even interact with us? To me, I feel like there are two major possibilities. The one uh, 
they are interested in an intelligent life form that's able to harness the power of technology, whether it be fire, all the types of stuff that we've been able to do that separate us from the rest of the animal kingdom and the insects and all this stuff. You see a very clear difference between us and the rest of the animals and life on the earth. So, I mean, it would only make sense to me that they'd be interested. I mean, look at us, for instance. We're interested in ants and like every tiny little piece of life that's possible to observe on this planet. And we dedicate our, some people dedicate their lives to just studying ants, bees, butterflies, you know. So it only makes sense that an extraterrestrial civilization would kind of have the same outlook on us. And then the second possibility, which is the more fun possibility, which I've been hearing a lot about as of late, is that there was some sort of ancient hybridization program. Have you heard of this? No. What's this so it said, it said that our DNA was merged and seeded with potential alien DNA, mm, which is I've why we are it. so much different than other animals. And if we have been tampered with, you know, if they came down in ancient times and injected monkeys with some sort of an altered DNA, or maybe there was some sort of sexual reproduction going on, which actually lends itself to a lot of these uh, interesting um, UFO sightings and potential abductions that uh, we may or may not get into, you would think that they would want to keep tabs on their little science project. So that is a possibility as well. Oh, that's... I mean, I know we touched on this last time, but that's just messed up to think about. Like, if that is true, we are literally just the deformed offspring of aliens that messed with us. And that's all we are, is just this... That would explain a lot, actually. <laughs> as far as, like, you know... It could explain the illness to an extent, maybe. Mm -hmm. Potentially. Yeah, I'm not sure know. if you've ever um, seen The Simpsons. There's... The Simpsons episode where wait sorry uh, I'm sure have you seen The Simpsons yeah I've seen The Simpsons well, I, think, I don't live under a rock <laughs> true everybody has seen The Simpsons that's very true but there's a really interesting episode where uh, Lisa has this science fair and for her project she has this like little uh, round bowl cup thing and she's like growing a, a civilization oh in yeah there. I love that episode you know? yeah. yeah that one really speaks to this concept very accurately I think or maybe not accurately but in a very fun way do you think there's like many civilizations that exist like that in the UK oh sorry in the UK in the uh, in the universe <laughs> oh sorry in the earth like universe it's very possible universe. very possible and our universe is so vast that who knows I mean I just heard recently that they've updated their number to like there's trillions of galaxies which means there's billions and billions of stars, billions of planets. I mean, who knows, man? With the vastness of our universe, there could be so many of this. What if? And I can't believe I'm saying this on a show about aliens and UFO sightings. What if we're the only life in all of those galaxies? Or maybe we're the last ones. Like, who knows? Oh, maybe, like, no. the universe was vastly populated and we're just the final ones. Bro, that's the most depressing thing ever. Nah, that can't be right. Nah, that's, that's almost worse that we yeah. were the last. Because you think about the possibilities there that we would have potentially missed out on. Oh, no, no, no. Crazy, crazy. So, 
Now, please correct me if I'm wrong on this, because this is what I found online. The first well-known UFO sighting supposedly occurred in 1947. This is courtesy of history.com again. When businessman Kenneth Arnold claimed to see a group of nine high-speed objects near Mount Rainier in Washington while flying his small plane. Arnold estimated the speed of the crescent-shaped object as several thousand miles per hour and said they moved like saucers skipping on water. In the newspaper report that followed, it was mistakenly stated that the objects were saucer-shaped, hence the term flying saucer. Uh, I'm a bit confused by that because they are, by all intents and purposes, always shaped in that that style, aren't they? I mean, I've seen, and we'll we'll get into this a little bit as far as like shapes and stuff like that later on. But that's kind of your classic style, isn't it? How it's always depicted as a circle of some description. Um, but have you heard of any other sightings prior to this? I mean, this seems to be the most documented, like first initial sighting. And of course, we did speak about. In the previous episode about um, supposedly Benito, Benito Mussolini covering up a UFO crash and so on and so forth, but, but but those were like accusations. There was no facts. Whereas this is like actually documented and reported. Yeah, one of the earlier ones that I've seen, I think it was after this one that you're okay. mentioning, is um, Betty and Barney Hill. Have you heard of these two people? Yes, I shared this in my. Um, Oh, God. I think I shared it in my Alien Abduction Stories uh, episode on Patreon. Go check it out. Patreon.com slash Christian Reeve. Um, yeah. Uh, kind of a crazy... It's, like it's interesting as well because it's like a standard couple in their like 50s or 60s. And uh, if I remember correctly, they were driving out somewhere. And is it, there was like two hours that were unaccounted for or something like that. But yeah, yeah I believe they... They saw a craft and then their car, I think it stopped like it would like just shut down. It stopped working. And then all of a sudden they just have this missing time and they did this crazy. Uh, there's a recording of it, too. You can find probably on YouTube uh, like a hypnotic regression to try to like bring forth the experience through like this hypnosis. And it's spooky, man. Like it's kind of scary the way that like they're really struggling like no 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 like they're it's really really messed up it sounds kind of kind of scary think it's real man again it's so hard you know i i think that when i look at these experiences i tend to value them based off of the changes that you see in a person's life or how it's affected them because it's hard to tell someone that their experience is invalid or their experience isn't real. I can experience, I've had the same thing happen to me with, you know, psychedelics. As you know, we've talked about this at nauseum, you know, I've had some really amazing experiences with psychedelics. And for someone to tell me that my experience wasn't real or it was invalid because science and math can't measure it, that would bother me a bit because the changes that have, you know, subsequently been enacted in my life are real and tangible. So I like to judge supernatural experiences based on that metric because we don't have a physical scientific metric to to measure these things. So it's always frustrating those conversations as well because I've had similar experiences and then I talk about it to people who kind of completely deny that that's possible and they will say like oh no it can be explained with this explained with that and it's like but these come down to like feelings and it's like 
I, I kind of refuse to believe that we are as basic as some people might like us to believe. You know, this idea that, you know, this is it. We're just born, we live, we die, we have the basic senses and that's it. And anything that seems untoward or like you can't explain away is just, oh, that's just your mind hallucinating, messing with you. Da, 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 da. It's like, well, how do you explain paranormal experiences where for example you're living in a house right and that house continually remains haunted like i'll, I'll give an example um i was doing some car marshalling with uh <laughs> you know believe this a fellow actor I, I found out he's actually been in some some pretty big stuff so props to him i won't, I won't mention his name here but we just met doing this like agency job right and we're just there we're chatting it's it's some of the easiest work I've ever done. Like when you do an agency work, it's kind of funny. Like as a jobbing actor, you just take what you can get, right? And uh, this obviously wasn't acting, but we got to talk about it for hours. Great. Anyway, he's talking about paranormal experiences because I happened to bring up that I've been covering it on my Patreon. And he talks about this family home that was originally built on a farm. Uh, how many times have we heard this story where it's built on like an Indian burial ground or somewhere of like historical significance whatever right it's a house built on what used to be farmland like a farmhouse and basically the original story is that the family that lived there like the whole place burned down except for like one room and the same thing happened many years later when this guy and his family were living in there um but the interesting part is that like one of the family members was dragged out of their bed by their legs and out of the room. And apparently this had happened in the farm originally, like the parents had dragged their, their child out of the room to protect them and stuff. And basically this house continued to be haunted and no matter who would own the house throughout the years, it would change ownership and, and different people would own it. And they'd always talk about, Oh, this place is haunted, isn't it? You know, or, or you'd have the classic, like never feeling like you're, on your own kind of thing, which I hate when you get, when you got like hundred percent scientifically minded people that are like, Oh, well that's just clearly, you know, uh, I don't know the wind or like, you know, it's like, but that doesn't. And, and believe me, I'm all for science explaining things away, but like, how, how can you define that particular sensation of like having seemingly like an entity or forced pulling you away from something? How do you explain that? You can't say it's the wind because it's targeted. There's no, especially in a situation like a fire, you know, unless it's like off the back of like a tornado destruction, that kind of thing. Right. But like in these particular instances, it's still, and it's just like, you know, it's not affected by that. If you see what I'm saying. And I'm always just looking at that and going like, okay, well, how do you explain this logically? How do you explain it away? You know? Yeah, I mean, I think there's also an issue that we have where, like, as a society, like a Western society, we're sort of, like, obsessed with explaining things in this manner. And I think it's because we've been brought up with this physicalist paradigm of materialist science where it almost acts as a religion. We think that if it can't be verified in this particular physicalist, scientific, materialist way, that it's not real. Um, and I think that's a problem because it kind of eliminates a large aspect of life and life experiences that are super impactful to people's lives. Absolutely. 
Uh, let's bring it back to UFO sightings. Um, I've got a couple of questions here that I believe were originally sent by Vilma. So thank you so much, Vilma. As always, you absolutely rock. Thank you for your enthusiasm in the show and for sending these out. Um, are UFO sightings and encounters just misidentifications of known objects or phenomena? We kind of covered this a little bit in uh, in the first shows we did together. I think I think I, what I will say on this on the answer to this question is that I do think there are a lot of instances where people do see something in the sky and they assume it's oh a UFO and it's not. It's just like uh, it could even be a plane or whatever. But it kind of goes back to like what I'd said to you about my experience, which is that there have been things in the sky that I just couldn't attached to a particular thing like it's not the north star it's not space station it's not planes helicopters anything like that so it's something else what is it and i do think that maybe if you were to put it on a on a scale of like one to a hundred i reckon probably like a good uh, like 80 percent of it might pro actually be just misidentifications or people seeing what they want to see you know, I'm not saying that, you know, pe people are lying per se, but it's just that, you know, a bit like in, in science when you've got like a particular hypothesis and you're chasing this particular hypothesis so much because you want it to be real and you'll you'll try and find anything to tr to prove it, right? But it doesn't make it so. But I do think there's like that 20% of, yeah, this is something that you can't explain. This isn't human. This isn't something that falls in that category. But what say you, Mr. Josh? Yeah, man, I think that there are a vast amount that are just misidentifications, of course. But I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here. So, okay, I do think that... So we have this, this strange association that whenever we see a UFO or we think about a UFO, we think UFO aliens. But there are plenty of things that, you know... 30, 40, 50 years ago, we had like these projects to create flying stealth bombers and things like that. And if you saw one of those in the sky, that is a UFO. It's an unidentified flying object. You don't know what it is. So I think a lot of these are government. I think uh, there is a lot of evidence of potential back engineering, or even if it's not back engineering, um, it's just very possible that we've discovered this technology that allows these uh, objects to go crazy and move in very strange ways, and we just don't know about it as as citizens. And the really interesting ones that are, let's say, the 20% that are pretty real and that we seem to all agree that are, are pretty credible, these are... Uh, experiences that people have been um, testifying to Congress about. Um, they have been protected under this new whistleblower uh, protection law that allows people to go through the proper channels to whistleblow on these programs. And it's interesting, there was just in July, there was a congressional hearing with three guys, David Grush, um, Ryan Graves, and David Fravor. These are all, mil uh, the David Fravor and Ryan Graves are both military guys. Um, David Grush is a, is a CIA guy. And there were a lot of questions that were asked by our Congress to David Grush specifically where he said, I mean, this happened like 10, 12 times where he said, 
I'm not able to share this with you, to share the answer to that question with you in a public setting like this, but we can get a skiff and we can go and have a, a private hearing and I can tell you all of the information that you want to hear. And these were some pretty deep questions, you know, involving defense contracting and government, uh. like dark private government stuff. Um, and the interesting thing is just recently, I think it was just uh, the information was released this week. They approved the skiff which is the the private hearing um but then the department of defense essentially brought the congress in and then said to them you don't have clearance to know this information because what they were trying to do was they were trying to uh receive the documents that david grush was referring to uh involving the programs of back engineering and downed craft that we have and they basically just straight up told our Congress, our the Department of Defense told the Congress, you don't have clearance to see these documents. So we're just not going to share it with you. So okay. when just, you have experiences that are based, like the like the, the experiences that people are having where they where our government is not allowing clearance to our Congress, that to me is part of that 20% of the real experiences and sightings. Okay, forgive my ignorance because I'm not 100% understanding of of like congress's structure within um within u.s politics so congress and the senate is that the same thing um it's not the same thing okay so can you just break this down for me a little bit because and what my question is is you obviously you got you got the the president and their administration Right. So like the president would have clearance, right? And their administration would have clearance. And then it goes Congress, right? After that. And and Senate. Like what what's the structure it's, very briefly? Well, it's funny, you know, you you would think the president has clearance, but that's the interesting thing about this is that the president doesn't get this information. They don't have any clearance for this either. The president, the Senate, the Congress, none of our elected officials, zero, have access to this information. And that's the craziest part about this. If there, you got to think, if there is a technological advancement or some sort of information on UFOs, aliens, whatever, and your private, like, shadow government and your department and your, your department of defense is not allowing your elected officials to have the information that to me that lends so much credence to this phenomenon i mean also from a perspective of national security you'd need to know about this information just in case it becomes a security risk you know for for like your everyday people like i I find that bizarre. I mean, what power do Very they really bizarre. have? If, how, how can they have... I mean, isn't the defense... The, the Ministry of Defense that's supposed to be under your government anyway? Like, I, I, I mean, unless they're like private organization, but I, I don't These understand. are unelected... They're unelected people yeah. who are like uh, lifetime government bureaucrats. And most of them work for defense contractors because the real way right. that America runs is through defense contracting. Right, so we're getting there because we, we covered this in the original episode, but, but all the companies that are telling, sorry, all the organizations that are telling Congress we can't give you clearance are private 
contractors essentially is what you're saying so it's it's generally it's the department of defense and the pentagon like they that's the organization because there's no way that like uh that a a company can tell our Congress because, right, you know, the, right, these companies, exactly. they're not affiliated, quote unquote affiliated, but it's the DOD. And what they're doing is they're basically working for the contractors. I just don't understand how one part of the government can tell another part of the government, you can't see this, especially when the government, the, the part of the government that they're telling, like, you can't see this are technically higher in the hierarchy. Yeah, if you're the president and you demand the Department of Defense to tell you, give me clearance on this, and they say no, how how can they say no? Who's really in charge? I mean, obviously, yeah, it's a big question, and it, it, it that's a podcast for another time. But like, I I don't understand that how they like. So I guess the president just doesn't have that power then at all. Like, what president? What part? What clues does the president even have? <laughs> they and can't even. The- that's the most interesting part of this topic to me. Like the sightings are cool. The yeah. abductions are really interesting. But when you really look into what our government's actions have been involving this, yo, it, it opens the door to so many questions. Like if this is real, how long have you known about it? What else have you lied about? You say non-human intelligence, what does that mean? How long have they been here? Are you in contact with them? Do they have technology? Do we have the technology? Are you in agreements with them? Are you trading with them? I mean, there is just, it is paradigm shattering, which is why I think there, there's, it's interesting. You see that there's like two factions within our government that are quarreling right now, our elected officials, and then our like Department of Defense, which is run by the contractors of the military. And it's just so interesting that I feel like the, these the, these defense people, they will do anything they can to make sure we do not find out the real information here. And to their credit, I think that there are certain things that maybe we shouldn't know about. Maybe they shouldn't disclose certain things because there are home, um, there are security uh, problems potentially with other countries. Who knows? Like, are we sharing this technology with them? If if our government releases certain uh, specifics on technology to its people, then the rest of the world's going to get that information too. And the rest of the world, just like us, tend to weaponize technology. So I understand why they wouldn't want to share everything with us, but I think we should get a little more information than what they're giving right now. It's a weird one as well, because like, okay, let's suppose that the rest of the world does know. <laughs> it's insane that we're fighting. I mean, look, I- I'm not going to get political here, but like, I hate what's going on in the world now. I hate any kind of violence, war. You know, I'm all about peace and love. I know that's like a super hippie thing to say, but it's like you said in the last show we did together, like, I believe that's the best of what humanity has to offer and, you know, unity and coming together and working on things. That's when we're at our best, you know, peace and love and, and sharing and helping each other out. That is what we need to help us get the things we want. You know, um, one day we could we could travel the stars, but that's not going to happen if we're still fighting amongst ourselves, right? Now, adding into that, our conversation today about aliens and, and UFOs and UFO sightings. I mean, if the world governments all do know about this, and they let's just say we are in contact with aliens and they know about this, 
what the fuck are they doing fighting uh, with the wars that they have? Like, surely we should be like more concerned about, hmm, what if these aliens turn around and decide to like just kill the lot of us? You know, surely that supersedes any like problems that we have here on Earth. Maybe we should just put our differences aside and just focus on this bigger p- potential problem, you know, or at le- least have some sort of solution towards it, you know. But in what you said there, I think we might have our answer. I think the US is not disclosing this information to the rest of the world. And I think, as you said, part of that is a security thing because they don't want the rest of the world to have access to that information because it could backfire. And let's face it, certain countries would weaponize that and use that and it might create even more war. Like it could even create World War Three. we don't know. Um, but I think another aspect to it potentially could be... <laughs> It sounds like a cop out, but this idea that you know maybe the the U.S. just knows that the rest of the, the rest of the world isn't ready for it, and the U.S. happens to be the nation, the part of the world where alien because let's face it, like the, the majority of of alien contact and uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for activity has been in the states. You know, like that's very evident in the shows we've done together like we've most of the stories have come from the united states a few have been from different parts of the world and i've got loads of signs we're going to get into about outside of the us but fact still remains the majority come from the us and as we stated in the last episode together like the us is kind of like the authority on this you know like whenever somewhere in the world there's an alien Situ- potential UFO situation like that the story you raised in the last episode about uh, Americans going to Africa and sort of controlling that situation you know what are Americans doing in Africa but in this particular instance it's like okay we're quote unquote like peacekeeping or like taking control of this situation you know so and we show up right away it's very, very strange. Like the Americans, they show up instantly. You got the, the black SUVs, the classic, you know, right away. And they just take everything. <laughs> Dude, right. I, I think there are some, there's some accuracy to that. There's the men in black concept is super interesting. There's a lot of weird, weird stories about them too. Bro, you know, I remember thinking like, oh, this is just a great film series, which it is. But then... I started looking into it and like that. You ever seen that picture of like the two creepy men in black guys walking into like a bank or something. And like, there's all these the stories of like people showing up at people's doors and just like mm-hmm. telling them like, shut your mouth, stop talking about these things. That's terrifying. To be it t- is. Like, and like, not only have they like come to people's houses to warn them, they've also come to people's houses and just exhibited high strangeness like to scare people like in a weird way, like to creep them out. So, so strange. And there's a story that I just heard kind of recently where there were two people who had a sighting uh, in the same town, but they lived in different places a little bit, you know, five minutes away from each other or something. And uh, so the one woman, there were two women and the one woman, woman had these two men in black dudes come to her door. And then right away, she called her friend afterward and said, yo, these two people came to my door and like they were really creepy and it was about this UFO experience that we both had. And she said, yeah, they were just at my door too at the exact same time doing this weird, creepy shit, like very strange stuff. Yo, that's mad. Oh my God. It's, it's Again, just- who, who knows <laughs> if these are real or true or, you know, I mean, but 
they're out there and there are so many of these stories that it's almost hard to just discount them. They're interesting though. They're, they're definitely fun. I do apologize to our listeners, but sometimes I am at a loss for words with some of these because, you know, really all you ever find yourself getting from these topics when you do the research is more and more and more questions. You never get any answers. It's just questions, 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 interesting questions, but nevertheless, just no answers. <laughs> um, here's an interesting question. I Googled this. I Google all these questions to kind of find an angle somewhere to a starting point. I could not find anything here. And I can only really speak for the US and the UK as far as like what the question entails. But I'd be interested in getting your thoughts. Maybe we can go somewhere with this. How do UFO sightings and beliefs differ across different countries and cultures? Now, and given the UK perspective, which is, it's definitely, I think we, we, we kind of assume the same mindset as the US, but we're a bit more level-headed about it. No offense. But like, but again, that does come down to where you're at. Because I feel like stateside, you know, you've essentially got 50 mini countries, really, if you really think about it. Like every state is so different. You know, you go Texas, you or New York, it's it's like a different place entirely. You know, the only thing that really unites you is like your your key things that every American has and identifies with, right? And then um, whatever federal laws supersede and are the same everywhere in the, in, in the, in, in the states. But then other things are different from a law perspective and culturally that give you a different, I mean, even like physically, just how things look, the terrain, et cetera, it's all different. Whereas in the UK, you go anywhere in the UK for the most part, you know, if you're in London, Manchester, Liverpool, whatever, you'll see a lot of familiarity, um, especially in culture and, and, and mindset and stuff. But then again, there is a big difference between the North and the South and, you know, so it's, it's kind of, I'm talking shit, but I'm also right in this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to UFOs, I mean the general consensus I I feel in the UK is just like it's you know we just look at American media and think it's all BS, and it's like you know oh yeah we like that show The X Files, but like you know it's just not it's not like a real thing maybe, or maybe it's like a a weird phenomenon, but who knows? But then I'm going to give you a bit of a spoiler. I found a bunch of like ufo sightings from the uk and we'll get into that later but it really opened my eyes up about people believing in the concept of ufos and that it might actually mean something there might be something there so i don't know i am speaking for the people but maybe feel free to disagree with me anyone listening that's from the uk throw your opinions in the comments let me know what you think but what say you, Josh? How how do UFO sightings and beliefs differ across different countries and cultures? Well, unsurprisingly, they don't differ a whole lot. I mean, there is a very big variety of what is potentially reported and seen, but there's a, there's so many similarities, so so many. I mean, we talked earlier just a little bit. You touched on some of the different shapes that you see. The saucer shape, the cigar shape, the tic-tac shape, the sphere. The sphere is really intriguing because that is has been seen everywhere. So there's a lot of consistencies between the shapes. Um, and then when you want to talk about like maybe even abductions and stories with contact, 
there's so, so many similarities there as well in terms of like their uh, mentality, uh, their goals, the way that they treat us. Um, they generally tend to treat us as almost like objects. Um, there's, there's an interesting story of this guy named Travis Walton who uh, he was with a group of, of uh, woodworkers. Uh, they're like in, in the woods. They were some, some, some sort of lumberjacks. Um, there were like six of them, I think. And they stumbled upon this crazy UFO uh, just kind of hanging out in, in, in the forest. This is one of the most famous uh, circumstances of a UFO sighting. There's a movie about it. There's books. There's all kinds of stuff. You can find this guy was on Joe Rogan. I mean, he's, he's a pretty big experiencer. And um, long story short, this thing started to like emanate with energy, and he just runs toward it. He's like, what the hell is this thing? And runs toward it. And then it kind of like shock like a shock wave of energy comes out and it it like hits him and damages him in some way so his his friends they bounce they're like i am out of here and they go and uh so they come back like eventually and they say man we got to come get this guy we can't leave him out there so they come back dude's gone completely gone and then he goes on to describe an experience where he uh was basically taken onto a craft and he's freaking out. I mean, just going nuts out of fear. And they're just like, dude, shut up and just relax. We're trying to help you. We're trying to work on you. And it basically was a, a situation where they were trying to like heal him of the damage that he received when he got hit by this like wave of energy. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, six days later, it was, dude just shows up in it like he's just dropped in a town and just out of nowhere. Uh, like a, an outskirt town and goes to a, a you know a payphone and and calls his family and you know they come get him but his friends were all about to be like try like they were being charged and um investigated for murder because this guy was gone for six days no one knew where he was so just as you know these these stories are are just so interesting man it endlessly fascinating we spoke earlier about have there been any credible UFO sightings by reputable witnesses? Now, in the last episode, I mentioned, I mean, I don't know if you get any more credible than US President Carter. I mean, that's, that's pretty credible, you know. Granted, he was in the runnings for presidency at that point, but then, you know, he got it. But there you go. But I've also found accounts from air traffic controllers, police officers, military personnel, former RAF pilots the works and now we're going to start getting into those let's get into the meaty goodness of it history.com this uh, article was by robert shapiro and uh, here are some of the kind of most let's say credible accounts and and it's interesting they, they range from early 2000s all the way to 2015 which i was quite surprised to see like really really recent accounts let's delve into them the lights above the new jersey turnpike in 2001 so it takes a lot for motorists to stop alongside a highway to look towards the sky. That's a lie. Uh, I've seen people stop and <laughs> just like stare at like, what is it John Jim Cornette always says? It's the two dogs fucking on the sidewalk thing where like you just stop and look. <laughs> like people stop and look for anything. That's lies. But on uh, July 14th, 2001, drivers on the New Jersey Turnpike were doing that. For around 15 minutes, just after midnight, they marveled at the sight of strange orange and yellow lights in a V formation. Keep that in mind, because that's useful for later. Over the Arthur Kill waterway between Staten Island, New York, and Carteret, 
New Jersey, never heard of that. Carteret Police Department. I hope I'm saying that correctly. It's like C A R T E R E T. Carteret, Carteret Police Departments. Uh, Daniel Tarrant was one of the witnesses, as well as other metro area residents from the Frog's Neck Bridge on Long Island and Fort Lee, New Jersey, near the George Washington Bridge. Air traffic controllers initially denied that any airplanes, military jets or space flights could have caused the mysterious lights. But a group known as the New York Strange Phenomena Investigators, or NY Spy, brilliant, claimed to receive FAA radar data that corroborated the UFO sightings from that night. We see this a lot, where like officials say one thing, it changes, other people say something else. I really do feel this lends credence to this idea that they just don't want to tell us. You know, I know it's Captain Conspiracy back again, but honestly, they always, it's just, it's always just like, no, 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 it's not that. It's never just like, it could be that, or we don't know. It's always, no, 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 there's no way. It must just be this. And it's like, well, if your air traffic controllers and people like that are telling you that it's not that, and like they, it's, they're legally required to tell the truth, then where does that leave you? You know, where does that leave what you're trying to tell people, your official account means nothing. And I'm surprised that doesn't kind of get to the, the general public more so, to be honest. Like when, when you're blatantly and like completely being lied to and there's this, there's this no shred of doubt and people were just like, eh, well, uh, who knows? <laughs> I, I don't understand that. The USS Nimitz encounter of 2004. By the way, I'll just say, Josh, feel free to interrupt me at any point there's anything you want to extrapolate on, by all means. On November 14th, 2004, the USS Princeton, part of the USS Nimitz Carrier Strike Group, noted an unknown craft on radar 100 miles off the coast of San Diego. For two weeks, the, tr the crew had been tracking objects that appeared at 80,000 feet and then plummeted to hover right above the Pacific Ocean. When two FA-18 fighter jets... Sorry, FA-18F fighter jets from the aircraft carrier USS Nimitz arrived in the area, they first saw what appeared to be churning water with a shadow of an oval shape underneath the surface. Then in a few moments, a white tic-tac-shaped object appeared above the water. It had no visible markings to indicate an engine, wings, or windows, and infrared monitors didn't reveal any exhaust. I didn't even know infrared could do that. Black Aces Commander David Fravor and Fravor. Fravor, thank you, and Lieutenant mm -hmm. Commander Jim Slate of the Strike Fighter Squadron F41. Sounds so badass. Uh, attempted to intercept the craft, but it accelerated away, re reappearing on radar 60 miles away. It moved three times the speed of sound and more than twice the speed of the fighter jets. We're going to get more into the speed and the sound later on, but just it, it, it kind of goes back to what you said before about these consistencies, patterns across all these different stories, always the same things again, again, and again. And you've got to remember, guys, as well, that this is stuff that's being reported a lot of the time. So it's one thing if it's just someone, you know, middle of nowhere and they're just giving you an account of what they think they saw right versus when it's like official facts like this is how fast it was going this is where it was in the sky etc 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 that's just pure fact there's no 
story there. There's no one, you know, I mean, I suppose you can make the argument that someone could be like giving false um, readings, but then, you know, like that can be checked anyway. So, and you could be arrested for, for not giving the accurate information, you know, so, yeah, it's interesting stuff. You know, what's interesting too about a lot of these military sightings is that if you look into like some of the people, a lot of the people who are in the military flying these F-18s and stuff, these sightings are happening like weekly. I mean, they are, there are so many, way more than you would think. But the problem is, is that a lot of these military guys, they don't want to report it because you have to go through a whole bunch of red tape, paperwork, all kinds of stuff to report this. And you eventually are looked down on anyway and you're put through the ringer. So a lot of these guys, they don't even report it. I was going to share this earlier, but connecting to your point, the National UFO Reporting Center, right, or NUFORC, have a database published on a website called Kaggle. And between 1910 and 2014, there were over 80,000 records of UFO sightings. That's just between 1910 to 2014. So speaking to your point, there's plenty of people reporting this stuff but whether or not it gets acted upon or used in any way i don't know i think a lot of the time they just keep trying to bat it away and be like no 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 but eventually one day they're gonna have to take notice or at least acknowledge that maybe people actually did see something not to mention i mean yo if you've got an object that is interfering with military training and some of these things, like uh, I'm not sure if you have the uh, story from uh, Ryan Graves, but he talks about there, you know, they have two F-18s and they're like flying in formation very close to one another. And these objects will just zoom in, the, in between them, fly around them, which makes it a security problem. I mean, it's dangerous to be up in the sky in a, in a jet that can fly this, the, you know, the speed of sound. And then when there's some unidentified object zipping around you that's faster than you, has capabilities that you've never seen before, and that you're seeing on a weekly basis, that's dangerous. You know, that, 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 uh, there's a, a problem there with uh, the disconnect between what we know and what they're keeping secret. Because if the government is keeping things that are, like secret that are detrimental to the safety of, of our military, that's just one more reason for them to disclose at least something to us. And also from the commercial um, flying sense as well. I mean, I think sometimes maybe people forget that like air traffic controllers, they're not just there to help planes land safely. They're also there to control what's going on in the sky because there's so many people flying around, not just in like, you know, commercial airlines, but also just like private planes and stuff. Like private planes have to radio in and, and tell like, oh, this is my location, this is what I'm doing, da -da 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 -da, you know, so they don't end up crashing into people. Because you might be in the direct flight path of a particular plane without knowing otherwise. You know, it's not like you can just like steer out of the way at the last minute like you could if you were in a car. Like, uh -uh, buddy, like that's not how it works. Um, so, yeah, the safety factor is, is, is so essential. Um, let's move it forward. The O'Hare International Airport Saucer from 2006. Flight 446 was getting ready to fly to North Carolina from Chicago's O'Hare International Airport when a United States employee on the tarmac noticed a dark gray metallic craft hovering over gate C-17. That day, November 7th of 2006, a total of 12 United employees and a few witnesses outside the airport 
spotted the saucer-shaped craft around 4.15 p.m. This is always interesting to me as well because, like, you've got several sets of people there, you know, people who who have no reason to lie about this information. You know, I know everyone's going to be in the comments like, oh, come on, man, people lie all the time. You're right, but why would, like, onlookers, you know, outside the airport care? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, you're probably just there standing there having a cigarette, waiting to pick up whoever from the airport and you spot something crazy in the sky and you say what you saw, you know, but take it or leave it, I guess. The witnesses say it hovered for around five minutes before shooting upward, where it broke a hole in the clouds. Enough that pilots and mechanics could see the blue sky. That's crazy, man. The news report became the most read story on the Chicago Tribune's website to that date and made international news. However, because the UFO was not seen on radar, the FAA called it a weather phenomenon and de declined to investigate. Weather phenomenon. Bullshit. I'm <laughs> calling bullshit. Come on, what, are you going to tell me that's like a rain cloud? Screw you. <laughs> The they always use weather phenomenon or weather balloon That's not, or swamp gas. They always use something stupid as an excuse. <laughs> I don't know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's down to swamp, swamp gas. <laughs> <laughs> the small town of Stephenville, Texas, this is in uh, 2008, 100 miles southwest of Dallas, is mostly known for its dairy farms. But on the evening of January 8th, 2008, Dozens of its residents viewed something unique in the sky. Citizens reported seeing white lights above Highway 67, first in a single horizontal arc and then in vertical parallel lines. Local pilot Steve Allen estimated that the strobe lights spanned about a mile long and a half a mile wide, traveling about 3,000 miles per hour. No sound was reported. Again, keep that in mind, everybody listening, for later. Witnesses believe the event was reminiscent of the Phoenix Lights sightings of 1997, while the U.S. Air Force revealed weeks later that the F-16s were flying in the Brownwood military operating areas just southwest of Stephenville. Many townspeople didn't buy that explanation. Good on you. Believing that they saw what they saw was too technologically advanced for current human abilities. Yeah, I mean, that's a solid point as well, like... Of all the technology we have, what actually gets released and used is it, it takes time before we get to that point. Like I remember one time I was sitting there with my dad talking about this and I don't, I don't know how this came up about, but there was this idea that like the military is always 50 years ahead in terms of technology, but it's always in the experimentation phase. So in theory, we had the ability to, for example, do stuff with like an iPod many, many years prior, but it was not actualized and commercialized until many years later because they were still figuring out how to do it. You know, it's all well and good having the technology, but figuring out how to use it and how to um, use it on mass is something different. I mean, internet is a good example of that. that existed as a military tool initially and then, you know, became what the internet is today, but it went in stages. You know, and it was experimentation. Even now, there's experimentation and it's it goes in stages and it takes time to develop and evolve. Yeah, you know, I think it's an important point to touch on here, which is that not only, like, is this a technological advancement, you know, when you want to look at, say, oh, maybe the military and the government has 50 years on, you know, what is in the consumer market. 
the the difference I think here, which is very stark, is what these craft are doing aren't just like high technology. They're literally defying our current knowledge of physics, of propulsion, because when like every single thing that we use um, that travels anywhere leaves a heat signature because you need to have some sort of a propulsion system to make it go forward. And most of these craft that we're seeing, as you had mentioned, there is no visible heat signature, which means there is no propulsion. So these things are moving without being propelled by heat. Um, and they are, uh, they are going so fast and doing things, making maneuvers that are so advanced that they break our current paradigm of physics itself. So this is super interesting because it's not only a technological advancement, but it's something that just breaks apart the current paradigm that we use to measure everything that we think is real. And it just came to mind for me while I was kind of looking over all these different UFO science was, and I don't know if you looked into this, I, I didn't look into this, but just maybe you'd heard. When the world shut down during COVID, do we know of any particular spikes in UFO activity at that point or sightings or anything of that kind? It's a good question. I haven't heard of any increase. I would have thought that'd be a perfect time if, if indeed there are aliens observing us to observe us. Because, whoa, they've stopped. What are they doing? Wildlife is returning to its like natural patterns, etc. Things are you know, shifting and evolving a lot, I would have thought that'd be a prime opportunity to observe us and how we uh, interact with a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah, very true. I mean, it does seem that they come around during times of chaos a lot, wartime and things like that. So maybe it's like, uh, maybe it was boring for them. <laughs> they had nothing to look at because like, oh, they're just all in their houses. Okay. I mean, we were fighting in the supermarkets over toilet roll. Does that not count? That's pretty interesting to me. <laughs> East Coast Go Fast video 2015. This surprised me. I had not heard of anything in more recent times. This is crazy. When news leaked in 2017 about the advanced aviation threat identification program, a video emerged that revealed an encounter between an FA-18 Super Hornet and an unidentified aerial phenomena. There's that word, UAP. Seen along the East Coast on a Raytheon advanced targeting forward-looking infrared Apflir pod. The craft was similar to that spotted off San Diego in 2004. A fast-moving white oval about 45 feet long without wings or exhaust plume. I don't know what the hell exhaust plume is. Um, That's like uh, the heat signature I was referring to before. Ah, okay. The pilots tracked the object at about 25,000 feet above the Atlantic Ocean as it flew away and simultaneously rotated on its axis. No explanation ever emerged. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> have you seen this video before? No, I have not. Super interesting, man. Very, very weird. What do you make of it? And, and it's funny, too, because uh, what's very telling is the people who are uh, like, you can hear them speaking in the audio of the video and they're like freaking out. Like, what the hell is this thing? It's moving. Then they're like, they are on the edge of their seats. Cause it's just like still at one point. 
and then it just rotates. It's, it's the weirdest thing. Very strange. Not to mention before it stops and rotates, I believe they had it on radar, just flying, moving so quick above the ocean. What you said before about how these things defy our understanding of physics and, and motion and stuff, I think that's spot on because in a lot of these instances, and, and I'll, we'll delve into some of them. Well, we're going to delve into a lot of them. Um, they seem to have this ability to manipulate the particular section that they're in, in the sky. You know, whereas like, for example, like planes, stuff like that, I, I, it kind of demonstrates how primitive our technology is really at this point, because they have to be continuously moving. You know, when a plane takes off, it needs that momentum. And that's why it has to have the runway to like, you know, bolster it. And then it's a combination of all those forces at work to push it off the ground. But then essentially... You're just, it's like in Toy Story, you're, you know, you're not flying, you're falling with style in a sense. And, and <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the jets are like keeping you going, right? But these UAPs, unidentified flying objects, are able to stop midpoint in the sky, assume different shapes, move, like fluctuate. Like I, I, can, I can picture it in my head. I, I've seen it in movies and shit, right? But like, that's crazy to see that in real life, you know? Again, more questions. <laughs> Are there any patterns or common characteristics in UFO sightings? Simple answer to that question is yes. And this is where we're getting into the real bulk of things now. So I was surprised to find this because I thought that you, you know, UFO sightings were just kind of pretty much just only happening in the US maybe a few here and there outside of the US but my 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 was I wrong UK UFO sightings between 1997 to 2009 the UK Ministry of Defense released an annual report detailing UFO sightings in the UK it was actually a government program that was put out so this would have been the Labour government of that particular era and uh, so they, and this is the interesting thing as well. They got in in the late nineties, and then that's roughly when they left government. So like throughout that entire administration, they decided that they wanted to do that. And then it was on first of December two thousand and nine. The department's policy on UFOs changed. Beyond this point, UFO sighting reports are no longer recorded or investigated by the Ministry of Defence, which blows my mind that they just don't investigate it. What? And also. I couldn't find any information about this. I looked online. It's on the government website, gov.uk. Uh, it's still there. Who knows how long it will still be there for now, but still there. Sightings came from members of the public, ex-pilots, ex-manufacturing engineers, police sergeants, and air traffic control employees. I tried to give like a summary of, of a lot of this. No sound appears to be a common theme. Same with balls of fire or circular ball shapes. Obviously, we discussed about triangle shapes, stuff like that. Um, the lights being orange appears to be a theme. And yeah, again, with the shapes. Certain shapes such as diamonds, triangles, ovals, and spheres seem to be the most common in terms of shape shifting, which also seems to occur frequently too. Now, I've got absolutely tons of these. I'm just going to bolster through them. Um, and anything that seems interesting, we can we can touch on. Um, there will be some funny ones later as well. I've tried to keep this lighthearted. It's not all just boring, boring, boring. But I think this is interesting because, again, I went through, guys, probably like 
400 of these, maybe more. And I took out what I thought was interesting. So I don't know. Let's see if it's interesting. A diamond-shaped red... Oh, sorry, before I continue, this is really important. So anyone could call in and report these, right? And it was someone's job or a team of people's job to sit down and record all of this information, right? On, a, on a, and, and it's like laid out in these spreadsheets, right? And it's both hilarious because some of the stuff they had to sit down and listen to and be like, uh-huh, 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 okay, and still write it down, right, is, is pretty funny. But also, it must have been pretty scary sometimes to hear these accounts and not really know what to do other than just write it down, make a note of it, right? Um, but it's pretty crazy that you could do that. You could call into a department in the government and tell them that you just saw like a UFO. Pretty crazy. A diamond-shaped red light came towards him from the sea. Rear end of the diamond was a blue light. It was incredibly hot as it passed overhead. No sound. Over my house, it was massive. Unbelievable. The noise was incredible. I thought we were under nuclear attack. And I said, maybe they lived near Heathrow Airport. <laughs> Four or more moving bright, solid orange lights, followed by a further eight identical objects, rose vertically over the side on the valley, made no sound. Again, I mentioned earlier about the sound element. So many of these accounts will say something like no sound or very little sound. It's, it's fascinating, like, because obviously our um, technology always makes a sound. And that's obviously because of what's being used, fossil fuels, et cetera, like big jets, et cetera. Like it's not really possible for us to keep it quiet, really. Um, unless you put something in place that actually like DS, like doesn't, doesn't really, it doesn't really like destroy the sound, but rather like muffles the sound, so to speak. But here, if it is aliens, they've got the technology to keep it silent. And also another thing is that this idea of like, it's not just solid shapes. Sometimes the shapes dissipate and you've got like maybe several different shapes that form like a triangular um, or diamond shape, but they're not actually attached together. So maybe they also have the technology to like rip apart a ship and then reassemble again. Something to think about. A V-shaped formation similar to how birds fly of seven lights, literally saying what I just said, moved rapidly across the sky, rotated slightly, then the lights split up and vanished. Lights were the size and brightness of stars. No noise and no visible trails in the sky. I think this person's obviously thinking of planes and how they live like some sort of record of how they were in the sky, right? Whereas seemingly UFOs never do saw a very large bright orange ball of fire traveling over woodland. There was no sound in size would have been 20 to 30 times bigger than a jumbo jet. Let's sit big about that for a second. Like I think I will, I will say though, playing devil's advocate, some, so I think some of these occasionally are um, overemphasized. Maybe, maybe people were like, you know, them got their reading glasses on or something like that. I mean, because if it was 20 to 30 times bigger than a jumbo jet, think about how huge that would be in the sky for a second. Do you know, that, that's, that's, Actually, you know, though, you know, some... Th there's a lot of reporting of, uh, like, warehouse-sized craft. And I mean, like, craft that are miles long, actually. 
I don't know what to say to that, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> a kaleidoscope effect of lights above the building. That was what I mentioned earlier, that that's kind of a crazy... I mean, that could that could be a lot of things, but I think that might be someone messing with someone, to be honest. <laughs> a single object full of lights approximately the same size as 10 planes, the object made no noise. Lights were seen to dim and change colour with some turning off. Object was described as a straight line of lights with a U-shape attached underneath. Really bright, light, jellyfish-shaped object. I saw this a lot. Jellyfish-shaped object. This goes back to the very beginning of our show today. Um, that was essentially what you see in the Madonna painting. It's like a jellyfish. It's like a, a flying saucer with like jellyfish arms on the side. It's really odd. Lights in the sky, no object, orbs with trails following, moving in a circular direction. Four orbs, two following the other two, reaching a point, and then repeating the same sequence. So, sort of building what we were saying before about how they're able to apparently move into different directions, dissipate, etc. Seemingly, they're able to follow a sequence as well, much like what birds do in the sky when they're, you know, assuming formation you know they they fly in different patterns according to like the wind or whatever they need to do um and a lot of the time when they form like in formation it's it's for a particular like security or to protect each other and stuff but that's how they communicate with each other and maybe these ufos are the same like a flying bonfire or similar to a plane on fire too dark for a balloon observed observed three objects in the sky for about 10 minutes, appeared stationary, and then disappeared behind clouds, changed shape from cigar to round. You said this earlier about the cigar shape. Were red or white in color. Saw two UFOs, looked like balls of fire. As they approached RAF Norfolk, the, uh, the fireball went out. However, the craft was still visible and was in the shape of a jellyfish dome. And that's pretty fascinating. Three blazing golden orbs in a diagonal line in the sky, no sound, remained static approximately one minute before slowly moving together to form a shape like an Orion's belt, and then into a small triangle. Two lights further outfaded and disappeared than the third two. This is interesting because maybe they actually follow shapes like the stars. Maybe there, there's a connection there, perhaps. I don't, I don't know, but that would explain a lot. White fixed wing object flying over a field. It was squared off with something behind it. No cockpit, silent, not a glider. And we, it goes back to what we were saying before about how they often don't have the sort of aspects of a, a plane or something like that that you would expect to see. It's just like seemingly just an object and that's it. There's nothing within, or at least what we can see. A black sphere bobbing about half a mile away covered with a phosphorus chemical cloud. It goes light grey. Flash of lightning then reappears. Some of the clouds light up. And this person apparently saw various sightings over the course of the time between 8pm at night to right through to the next day at 12.15. That's midday as well, which is pretty crazy. Normally you see them at night or something like that. But 30 orange globes in four waves. 30! But orange globes traveling at a constant speed may have been lanterns of some kind but they would have been one to two meters in diameter yeah like, i mean if it was 
Chinese lanterns, it would be tiny, but there'd be a lot of them. So I'll give them that. But yeah, maybe this was something else. Brilliant and dazzling white horizontal ring of light. It appeared to be perfectly still in the sky above the houses and was totally silent. Object was hovering over the Bellevue Crescent area. Emitting a large, bright orange light, much larger than normal lights on a plane slash helicopter, traveling in an arc with no sound. It's the first time I've, I've seen or heard of anything like this. After 10 minutes, light became dimmer and appeared to gain height. Light now the size of a normal aircraft uh, light and then disappeared. Pair of lanterns directly overhead, slightly faster than a plane, faster than a satellite, slower than a meteor. Sorry, it's just, it reads like Spider-Man. <laughs> slightly faster than a plane, faster than a satellite, slower than a meteor. <laughs> Bright red orange ball, no sound, moved faster than an aircraft. Could not find a camera in time to take photos. What are you playing at? Six balloons of fire over Yule's water. These UFOs moved at different speeds to each other and in different directions before moving out. Large oval craft seen very low. It could not make out any distinguishing features. Combination of red, orange, and green lights. And it goes on with these. Um, there was one... There's a few I want to share from here before we go into the funnier ones. A very bright white, like a star. It moved south, then double, backed on itself, and was joined by another light. The lights danced around each other, then split, and moved off in different directions. The light suddenly disappeared. Now, I tried to find patterns within all of these, and again, there was like pages and pages and pages and pages, right? But between these particular two sightings, uh, this one and then the round white object, not like a ball, very bright, not casting a beam of light, rising vertically, the higher it went, the smaller it became, started the size of a pound coin and ended up as a pinhead. That, that would be tiny. But uh, anyway, um, these apparently occurred within an hour of each other from different people, presumably in different locations, but like, that's, that's mad. Like within same day, same, like within an hour, crazy. Having a barbecue with some friends when they saw an orange fireball about to crash two gardens away. But on checking, it was now high in the sky, about half a mile away. Three to five minutes later, another object appeared and a third spherical object with a leg protruding. And uh, yeah, basically, I just wanted to kind of give you an, an idea of all these different stories. Um, some of them blew my absolute mind. Like one of them, UFO over the witness's house. It was at 30,000 feet and he'd apparently seen it before. Two yellow objects like giant sparklers. Um, lights rising from the ground into the sky, much like debris from a fire. However, lights were too intense to be a fire. Crazy. Just, just like that. And there's this endless accounts like this. This one is insane. A big alien craft landed on the top of the witness's house. Oh the God. craft then flew off over Bristol. Just, oh, and yeah, like if you want to check all of these out, guys, I tried to pull some of the very, very best ones and they go on forever and ever and ever and ever. Um, but, and, uh, but before we get to the funny ones, can I, can I share one as well? That seemed, oh, that, in my opinion, the more interesting, the most interesting one I've ever heard. Um, so there's this guy, uh, and this I relate to uh, 
on an immense level because so he has Crohn's disease. I also have Crohn's disease, and it's wow, I didn't know that. debilitating. Yeah, it's it's very very bad if you're not able to have it under control. Luckily, medically, I'm able to have mine under control, and I do pretty well. But this particular guy was not under control. He was taking all kinds of medications. They were not working. Uh, he was just in immense pain all the time. So at one point in time, he was at like a family get together thing. Uh, I think it was, it was at his home. So he is in so much pain during this little get together barbecue type of thing um, that he just has to kind of go off in, like away from the family just to like wretch in pain. So, I mean, with Crohn's disease and with immense chronic pain comes a feeling of desperation quite often. So He's a religious guy and has just this immense feeling of desperation, gets on his knees and is just like crying and praying to the sky, like to God, like, please, like, do something, help me here. Like, I, I, I can't live like this. Opens his eyes and sees what looks like the sun in front of him. And what really reminded me of this is a lot of these orange orbs that you're speaking of. So he looks up and he sees what he thinks is the sun. And then right next to it, he realizes there's another sun. And he's like, this, okay, these aren't suns. These are just these big, giant, bright orange orbs. Then he has what a lot of people experience as lost time when they have these, these types of sightings. And all of a sudden, his Crohn's gone, completely gone. Never took another medication ever since that day. But Just it must amazing. still be in his body. Uh, this has been... You can't... No, nothing. And that's the thing about Crohn's is that you can't cure Crohn's. It is right. incurable. Yep. Completely gone. So this guy has had NASA come to his house, the CIA, all types of researchers. He even brings people to his house and shows them. He has like a communication. He can summon these orbs and he shows people. You can look it up. His name is Chris Bledsoe. Um, just the most amazing UFO story I've ever heard. He's writing a book soon. I think they're doing a documentary potentially, but just amazing stuff. Healing orbs, almost. Yeah. Intriguing. Wild. Right. You ready to laugh? Let's do it. This is like, honestly, some of the craziest stuff I've ever read. <laughs> um I love the UK so much. Thank you, UK, for being as beautiful and as silly as you can be. So here we are, some funny UFO sightings in the UK between 1997 to 2008. Here was the best ones I could find. Uh, now, again, you're calling into a line, okay? And you're telling them that you've seen something in the sky. Now, some of these are just funny descriptions, right? Some of them, this is all the information they gave. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Something very strange. That's it. Just that. Fair enough. A sighting of something. No more information given. And they'll put the guy puts that, or whoever was in charge of this always would write that. No other information given, just this. Something definitely odd. <laughs> there was a sighting of lights in the sky. I mean, <laughs> a formation of 18 lights. They appeared like a flock of helicopters with lights on. They gave off no sound, but there was a slight rattle. Six orb-shaped objects that were red and orange in colour. 
They initially formed a V shape. They were floating around, and then the central one zoomed off like the Captain Kirk Enterprise. <laughs> 100 possible UFOs in the sky. An object was seen. The witness said the object was seen over Christmas. <laughs> Very Christmassy. The witness saw spaceships and then said that one of them adopted his dog, car, and <laughs> tent when he and his, some of his friends went out camping. Uh, camping, sorry. The object was very bright, like the sun. It looked like the size of a space hopper, had flames coming off of it, so it could have been a meteorite. <laughs> the triangle-shaped object looked like the Mitsubishi car sign. Middle triangle was brighter than the other two, and I just put like in my notes, space marketing. <laughs> <laughs> the object looked like it was three times bigger than the size of a jumbled jet like a gigantic flying piece of street <laughs> what <laughs> that's what it says big bright sphere looked like saturn mention that planets are in danger from different things going on in our solar system oh yeah some of these are mental by the way like just not necessarily funny just crazy Objects, Lucifer-like things that are seen every day. They hold people in their homes and are a nuisance. In a lorry, the witness saw a blue-slash-white flash from within the woods. The sky took on a red glow. Had an object fallen from the sky? Large crystal ball object, the size of a light bulb. I mean, this, this is what got me. Large crystal ball object. The size of a light bulb, like, that's two different things, man. <laughs> Yellowy and white in colour, travelling in a diagonal direction. One small, kite-sized, leaf-shaped object was bright red in colour, moved very fast. One, larger than a Hercules elongated object. Red slash green, long lights, white lights at the back in squares. Very bright. One ball of light the size of a five-pence piece at arm's length. Like, I don't know what the fuck this person was talking about. A five-pence piece is tiny. It's like that small. At arm's length. Like, what does, what does he mean? Like, I don't understand. What does he mean? Plus, there were two smaller faint objects in the trail, too. <laughs> like, I get you're trying to, like, give someone an idea of it. That, that paints a very strange picture in one's mind. One object with tentacles. 300 approximately. <laughs> <laughs> One airship-shaped object. It was black. It was drifting smoothly. One disc-slash-jaffa-cake-shaped uh, shaped object. Do you have Jaffa Cakes in the US? Not that I know of. I never heard of that before. It's like a, a small cake um, with like jelly in it, I guess. You definitely have something similar. I've had stuff over there that tastes somewhat similar. Was silver in color. Was it's just like a different name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Jaffa tree or something. A strange sighting. A sighting. Looked like a Chinese lantern. Why would you call in to report that? I don't understand. Two bright lights heading towards the city, like, like a white octopus shaped kite. It was like they were being propelled but traveling on their own. <laughs> this, is, this is classic British. A UFO. It was a glowing pool, ball of something or other. Definitely not a plane. Object, <laughs> object came in tra trajectory into back garden. It was the upper part of an egg, glowing bright orange like hot steel. On bottom, it had something like a root structure. 
It looked like it was having some trouble, but righted itself and gently flew off. It's like, whoop. oh, this is this is brilliant. Dog wanted to go out, went out, and I saw a UFO. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, report received from Psychic Control Center. No details given. <laughs> Large orange glow in the sky, moving slowly, then disappeared. Reappeared after five minutes. Knows a bit about astronomy. This 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 person's put like. <laughs> a UFO. That's it. Eight alien aircraft seen just above helicopter height traveling SW to north. Oh, sorry. Yeah, southwest to northeast. There was a humming sound. They looked like they were eyeing the place up. This is quite a British saying. When you say eyeing the place up, it kind of, it's like casing the joint. It's the same thing, like eyeing it up. Mm-hmm. A bright white fireball size of a football flew into the kitchen and landed in a plastic carrier bag on the table. Immediately disappeared, but seemed to cause almost blinding white sheet of lightning. Went to get the cat off the wall, saw UFO higher than eye level, bright orange object, not plane shaped, no engine noise. And this final one. We keep getting flown over by aliens galore. They are dropping germs and we keep getting colds. Please send the RAF or United States Air Force to stop them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just some real crazy, crazy stuff. Um, any thoughts before we continue? Just just taking all that in. Such a weird variety. Oh, it's so funny. I love, the, uh, I love that last one. Like, please send help, you know? <laughs> Great. I also asked Reddit. It's always fun when you ask Reddit. Have you ever seen a UFO? If so, what happened? And these were the responses. Yeah, nothing. Yes, was uncomfortably probed. They understood I was hungry, so we swung by a pasture and picked up a cow for dinner. Later, purposely made a low pass, some drunk guys outside a trailer in the desert for the lols. Totally legit. In movies only. One time I thought I did. Turned out to be a cell, t- cell tower of a light on it. You just know Buddy's just pissed off his face at this point. What if they have devices with which they can erase our memory in case we, for example, saw them? So that's why we don't remember seeing them. You mean man like in black. The, the man in black, yeah, the plot. It's literally that. Yeah, sure. I've seen things in the sky that I couldn't identify. It was probably a cloud or a plane. Yes. One time, oh, I've just repeated that. And they wear black suits with sunglasses. It was probably some swamp gas reflecting off Venus. That's what you the said. Swamp before. gas, man. Swamp gas. <laughs> right. I've got some UFO experiences from, from Reddit, which we'll, we'll end this show on. Uh, <laughs> I've not read these. I'm interested to see where they'll go. So here we go. Not mine, but my dad. My mother told me about it once, laughing at him, so I asked him if it's true. My father was not the best behaved person when he was young. He was constantly running away from classes with his friends and sneaking out of the house. One day, in the middle of the night, he left the house and went to the forest to drink alcohol with his friends. They didn't have much time to drink. They drank maybe one beer, then his friend noticed something between the trees. My father laughed at him, but noticed that his friend was honestly terrified. He shined his flashlight at at these trees and noticed something very large. Apparently, it was about four meters high. 
At first, it sounded like a literal description of Slenderman. You remember that? Crikey, that's a throwback. Oh, yeah. And I thought he was joking with this story. But he was talking about it with complete seriousness. They both started running away as fast as they could, and then he couldn't sleep for a few days. Recently, I watched a Polish podcast with a ufologist. I don't know if it's the correct title, but he started talking about UFOs and how they can have different shapes. And the largest alien can be up to four meters tall. So a few years after hearing this story, I'm starting to believe it. Again, natural skeptic here. A handful of times I've seen something in the sky that I didn't that didn't match with the appearance, sound profile, or performance envelope. I've never heard this expression before Hmm. of any aircraft I ever heard of. Last time when was ah, I can't even read this. Last time was when my daughter and her BFF were ten or so. We were watching for meteors, I think. BFF saw something in the sky and asked, "Is that a UFO?" I explained that it was an airliner headed for the local airport, the landing and running lights, etc. Then she said, "What about that?" There was a ball of light, actually slightly oval, moving silently across the sky. Based on where I think it was, and comparing its movement to C-130s from the local air guard base, it was moving somewhere around 300 miles per hour. Way too fast for a civilian light aircraft like a Cessna 172 or Piper Cherokee. You're going to know this better than I do. While I watched, it instantly went from one finger above the visible horizon to four fingers above the visible horizon. What the fuck? It was passing beyond objects 200 to 300 yards away, so it wasn't a small object up close. It continued on west until it disappeared behind a hill. What it was, I have zero clue. No human aircraft I know of could have flown silently like that or made that maneuver. And the final story, the absolute best, save for last, Saw a weird floating red disc spinning through the air coming towards me in the park. Couldn't figure out what it was, but then it hit me. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, there it is. Um, So there it is. UFO sightings. As we draw this to a close, Josh, what are your kind of final thoughts after all of that? We've, we've, We've deep dived. We've kind of gone every which way. We've done three shows together on UFOs, aliens, and UFO sightings. How do you feel about it all? Well, I do see a fourth in our future because there is just so much to talk about here. Um, And there is a lot of news that continues to come up, you know, because this is becoming a big thing in our government. A lot of the people who are having the experiences, like the ones that we went over today, are you know, sharing them, uh, you know, all the time. And some of them government officials, some of them people who are in the military who are going through, as I said before, this whistleblower uh, legislation that protects them. Um, So I'm really hoping that we hear some more information soon. But man, these are just so interesting. The the, the sightings, um, the abductions too, the experiences people have, the um, as I think you you kind of touched on with a few of these experiences that a lot of them were mental. Like there's this consciousness sharing communication aspect to it. It's just, it's so interesting to me, you know, and I like to think of uh, my, my favorite aspect of this is the potential of them being like extra dimensional, you know, inhabiting a dimension that is above ours that we just can't even conceive. And, 
you know, the, just the, the potential questions that the disclosure movement can, uh, can put upon us is just paradigm shifting, man. And people don't care a lot. You know, the, there's a lot of stuff in the media and people just seem to sort of like poo poo it, like, ah, whatever, you know, when there's real information, let me know. But I feel like when the rubber is going to really meet the road is when some of the technology that stems from whatever we're learning from these craft or whatever it is that we're observing starts to be implemented into our daily lives. And when that happens, we're going to see a massive shift, I think. Yeah, for sure. Like human life is going to evolve in a big way. I mean, it already has in the last 20 years even, but yeah, I feel like um, maybe we're on the cusp of something. Maybe it's coming. Maybe even the authorities are trying to kind of test the waters with these, I don't know, either fake sightings or maybe real sightings or whatever, you know, the, the, it doesn't seem very clear what they're trying to do right now, but I feel like maybe they're easing us into it so that when it really is revealed, maybe it's not so much of a shock for everybody. I don't know. But I suppose tying this all together are aliens real i think so i think there's a lot of evidence out there to support it i don't know that it's all true but you know it's one thing if you hear a handful of stories and they all have a similar pattern and they're all made up you know or they sound like they're made up you can normally tell but when you've got literally hundreds of thousands from literally all different backgrounds creeds and colors like people from all around the world reporting this stuff tends to lend a bit of credence to it. Makes you think, makes you wonder. And I will continue to wonder, and I would love to do a fourth show with you. Mr. Leonard, if you have any ideas, if the wonderful listeners of the show have any ideas, send your questions in, let us know. And you know what, it's not just with UFOs and aliens. Um, as you know, as with all my wonderful guests, and Josh, especially like Open Platform, you're always welcome here, buddy. If you've ever got something you want to plug or or discuss with me or any topics you fire away and anybody out there listening to the show if if you're interested in being on the show talking about something that you got a lot of knowledge on or you're passionate about or whatever shout me out because we're going through a bit of a shift with this podcast now where I am still doing my interviews and discussions and stuff but I'm trying to kind of branch out of that and really push forward with these topics i feel like there might be something there i enjoy it a lot it forces me to do a lot more research and i feel like it's worth it because you learn something from it as much as i love interviewing people and exploring their lives i think a little part of me enjoys slightly more delving into topics because it kind of forces you to approach things a little bit differently and i like having challenges and mixing it up every once in a while so expect to see more of that in the future guys massive thank you josh three shows together um you're a champion i owe you so much uh thank you endless endless gratitude to you man you owe me nothing this is just so fruitful and fantastic for me to do i love talking about these topics and as you mentioned earlier you know we have like a a relationship you know we 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 click on on these levels and i i really enjoy talking with you man your openness and just your ability to do research in a way that is not skeptical you know i mean it's skeptical enough but 
just your openness, you know, to these topics is really, really, really awesome. So I really appreciate that, man. Thank you, brother. Now we'll be doing many more shows in the future. I just know everybody make sure you go and listen to the pursuit of infinity podcast. Um, I believe that Mr. Leonard has put out episode 60 recently as of recording this. Yeah. And I would also just like to point out that the next episode that I put out is featuring our good friend, Christian Reeve here. So people look out for that. Ah, look at, I didn't even know that was the, we did the show together a while back, but I didn't realize that was happening. That's awesome. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. that'll, That'll be out soon. That right there, that's the universe coming together in, in a way. That's what that is. I, I don't know. Just on a side note here, um, more and more in my life, I'm looking at things and going and thinking about it and going, that happened for a reason. There's a reason behind that. There's, I don't know what it is. Maybe we'll figure it out later. Maybe I'll figure it out now. But there are no coincidences. <laughs> it's just the universe doing its magic synchronicity go listen to the pursuit of infinity podcast guys go support an amazing amazing podcaster and just all-round good guy go support josh leonard and everything he's doing he's he's really helped out our show go help out his show thank you so much if you want to help out me and what i'm doing as you guys know i'm a struggling actor voice actor podcast musician all the everything in between i have a patreon patreon.com slash christian reeve you can get bonus podcast content related to this show and other shows and just bonus content in general the life with christian reeve show which comes out every month and a bunch of other stuff you're missing out go support me there's other ways to support me as well you got paypal cash app that i just added this thing called buy me a coffee at the request of my um, online community and I was just like what is this that's another way to support me thank you so much but if you want to support the show especially Podchaser the IMDB of podcast reviews that's the website you want to go on podchaser.com leave us a review you can leave reviews for the show itself and also per episode it helps create a bit of a buzz for the show every time you leave a comment on youtube or a review on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify wherever you listen to this show when you leave a comment when you like when you share when you do all those things it helps us so much like never take it for granted if you're sitting there thinking like oh well if i share it what will I, what will it do like it gets seen by more people people that never would have seen it before will now see it and if nothing else you get one new follower. That's huge. One new person checking it out. That's huge. One more person we've reached with this show and we've hopefully inspired in some way, maybe just made someone laugh, got them out of a difficult time. You know, you never know. Like I, I like to think that my show and my silly voice and my silly face helps people just kind of get through their day. And ever since I started like putting my heart and my soul into everything and really just making that focus, things have gotten better. And I think when you're doing that in life, you know that you're doing the right thing. So if you do those things, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the show, for watching the show. We'll be back very soon. Thank you so much. Be safe. Be well. I'll see you in the next one.